Hello and welcome to the Franchise Tag Podcast with me, your host, Freddie Hall, for another episode of the Friends of the F-Tag, Friends of the Podcast episode, running these all summer. Going to get a lot of interesting guests on, already had a couple of guests on so far, but now we have another guy over from the States, Evan Lazar, is joining us. He is the Patriots reporter for CLNS Media over in Boston and host of the Patriots Beat Podcast. Um, Evan, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with us. I, it's it's it feels like the start of a very long summer, Evan. I mean, all the actions happened: the draft, the off season, and what a wild time it was. The Patriots, a quiet franchise most of the time, even had a bit of a wild off season. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a long time to wait, right? Until we kick back off into that preseason. Yeah, we have spring practices over the next couple of weeks here, but those are I like to call them glorified flag football. Like we're not really <laughs> talking about live football. There's no pads. Most of the drills, they're 75, 80% effort, not that 100% full tilt. Bill Belichick likes to say that this is a teaching period, not an evaluation period for the team. So they go out there, they are teaching the playbook, they're teaching the techniques. And then when training camp starts at the end of July, that's when the competition aspect of the season really starts to ramp up. So it's cool to go out there and see these practices. It gives us some content, some things to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. But then once you get past mini camp, which is the first week of June, that's the real dead period of the NFL offseason from really uh, the second week of June through the end of uh, July, once training camp gets underway. That's when everybody kind of puts their feet back and relaxes a little bit, the calm before the storm, if you will. So we're headed for the dead period of the offseason. And, and that's definitely a, a, a true statement there. Brilliant. So is, is, have you been to many of the mini camps before? Like, what's the vibe like? Is it quite a relaxed, fun vibe? Obviously, the miscon- maybe that maybe a misconception of the New England Patriots is it's buttoned up, serious. Yeah. Not really a lot of laughing going on around the training ground. Almost like you're in, in high school again, maybe. But is is that is that complete myth? Is it actually pretty much like every NFL franchise behind closed doors during these off seasons? You know, everyone's having a good time, you know, testing out, seeing the new guys who have just been drafted, etc.? Yeah, I definitely think that this is more about chemistry and team bonding than it is mm. necessarily about going out there and doing anything that's going to legitimately change the the trajectory of your season. Like you don't become a 17 and 0 team because you had a good May mini camp, right? Like that's not <laughs> exactly how it works, but with the Patriots like everything else, every opportunity, every time they step on the field is an opportunity to get better and to go to work and it is a serious vibe. It is a team that is very workmanlike. I think the one thing that you see going to some of these joint practices over the years where we get to see other teams and how they work in training camp, the one thing that stands out with the Patriots is how efficient they are on the practice field. There is no time wasted. There's no lollygagging. There's no (laughs) guys just hanging out on the sideline, doing nothing, twiddling their thumbs. It's everybody's involved everybody's going at all times and there's always something for somebody to be doing which i think is a little bit different when you go out and you see some of these other teams you see guys kind of chilling you see guys taking plays off or taking reps off and even if you go and look at the beginning of practice when you get there at the very beginning and the Patriots are already stretching. Like they're already mm-hmm. into some sort of drill. They're already into stretching or uh, taking, you know, walk through reps and stuff like that. 
to get started. The other team, they're over there. They're they're tanning in the sun. They're laying <laughs> down on the grass. They're shooting the shit with their friends. Like that's sort of the vibe for the other team. You always look at one half of the field as the opponent or the other team, and and they're all kind of just chilling and easing their way into practice. And then you look on the other side of the field. There's the Patriots, and they're they're all already you know uh, <laughs> drilling things. And I think that that's something that stands out when you talk to other people that report on other teams like man the patriots practice at a different pace they they mm-hmm. practice at a different speed a different tempo and they really bring it in practice and i think that's a, a hallmark of a bill belichick team for sure not that like I said mini camps is the key to the success is key to the winning the super bowl but really let maybe let's just take from that that um conversation side is the, the seriousness and that team mentality. The New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, obviously former Tom Brady as well, have just been one of the most successful organisations in, in the last two decades. They've been so yeah. great. And with the times moving forward in the modernism of the game, that seriousness and that mentality and that work ethic is still in place in NFL teams. However, it is maybe portrayed a little bit differently. When we look at the LA Rams side of things, Super Bowl winners very yeah. with a first team to sort of say we, we don't tackle in practice we don't wear pads we're not getting our big guys hurt we are you know conserving our energy for the game it's sort of almost like walkthroughs and then when you're talking about the patriot side but where it is buttoned up serious winning now mode you know uh, do you think that, that the patriots will keep their way because it is it is a winning way the patriot way as they call it is a winning mentality way but when you look around the league now at the, at the more relaxers of teams that are still being successful, do you think that the Patriots are ever going to look like that under under Bill Belichick anyway? I will say that I do think that Bill's gotten a little bit more lax in the last five years or so, mm-hmm. and maybe that is a result of him doing some self-scouting and recognizing that times are changing. Kids are different mm-hmm. these days. Uh, people under the age of 25 are maybe wired a little bit differently than they were <laughs> 20, 30 years ago in terms of work ethic and, and th- that type of thing. So I do think it's gotten a little bit more relaxed and Belichick has tried to be a little bit more chill in, in mm. recent years compared to maybe years past. Now, I do think that success does that to you a little bit as well. It's not like he's mm. that coach back in 2000, 2001 that's trying to prove himself anymore. He doesn't need to prove to anybody you know, that he's the greatest anymore. So he can kind of do things a little bit more relaxed than what he has in the past. But for the most part, the Patriots are not for everybody, right? And <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't find good players that want to work in the vein that they want to work in, but they are not an organization that is for every athlete, that's for every NFL player. And I think this carries over a lot of the time into the draft. And sometimes when they have these draft picks like Cole Strange in the first round this year where people are like, what the heck are the Patriots doing? Like, where is this guy coming from out of Chattanooga uh, down in, uh, in in Tennessee and, you know, uh, FCS school? What were the Patriots thinking here? I think a lot of the time that some of these other guys that people are really high on us in the media, we don't get to interview the players as extensively. We don't get into their backgrounds as human beings as mm deep as the teams do and sometimes maybe a guy that we might look at and say that guy's a great fit with the Patriots well maybe he might not actually be a great fit with the Patriots and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that his work ethic 
Uh, is he always in the gym? Is he always in the film room? Is he always at the facility? Does he breathe football? Like, does he just absolutely love the game and, and it's everything to him? And when you look at those types of things, it's often why a lot of the players that the Patriots go after are maybe a little bit different than what people were expecting them to do, whether it comes to the draft or free agency. I think Mac is a great example of that too, where he's just a last one, you know, first one in last one out kind of guy. He's pulls these 12, 13 hour days and he's somebody that really works at his craft and really takes it seriously. And that's why they fell in love with him at quarterback. Right. So uh, I think that those things still are a big factor and, they almost work it into their player acquisition strategy when it comes to the draft free agency trades to make sure that they're getting guys that put that Patriot like work ethic out there and put that product out there. Because uh, I mean, look, it's happened multiple times with the Patriots over the last couple of years, even, but over the past two decades, it's happened dozens of times that they get these talented guys in here that should be good players for them but it just doesn't work out for mm. one reason or another. And I would say a lot of the time, the reason it doesn't work out is because that player doesn't put in that extra effort that's needed to be really good with the Patriots and with Bill Belichick. Yeah. I feel it's very much a yin and yang scenario with a lot of, with a lot of the talent that goes there, you know, um, it's good to be talking about draft because I think we should move on to that. You know, the, the Patriots really have not been, I suppose hitting on first round picks that much in in the in yeah. the recent history. Mac Jones being sort of the exception to the rule, but you know he's only had one year. We'll see what happens, sort of thing. But Cole Strange, like you said, it, it was a a bold choice, says the least. People didn't expect That's that. what I like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was strange. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee Chattanooga is just the most satisfying thing to ever say, really. But yeah, I I mean, I I thought it was funny because obviously the the viral video went where. Um, Sean McVay and GM for yeah. the Rams were at the press conference and then Coltrane's got picked and they sort of laughed and were like, wow, from Chattanooga, all that. we were looking yeah. at him in the third and stuff like that. And a lot of people took that and went like, uh, they're laughing at the Patriots, you know, they've reached for a player. I, I actually didn't take that from it at all. I took for, oh, they, they've just picked a stud here. But no, yeah. we, we were going to get him in the third because I thought no one knew about him. And then someone's just gone and reached for him in the first and he's, he's take, you know, been taken out of our hands in a way. I, I didn't see it as, an, as a negative on Sean and, and, and that coaching staff. I saw it as, a, oh, well, this is this is the league going like the Patriots just know. They just know about yeah. this guy deep into the draft. And if they and they will quote unquote reach. Because they know, but they've they've not been successful with these first round picks so much, and they they are getting players that maybe they would have taken later. But well, if we're not hitting on who we have high confidence with, we might as well look at the players we actually know are going to be good. And do you, I think, do you think, do you think it is a big part of their of their thing is of their draft is that they, they sort of look at their history at the moment and go like, well, we're not, really, you know, we haven't hit on somehow what didn't kill Harry, for example. Yeah. Is it more about for the Patriots when they go in the draft? Is going like, well, we're going to take we're going to take the guys we want and we like. We don't care if they're first round talent, quote, you know, quote, first round, second round, third round, sixth round talent. We're just going to take the guys that we want that we know are going to be right in this that we think are going to be right in this building. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think there's one thing for sure: the Patriots and Bill Belichick do not give two craps about what the media <laughs> has to say about the draft like they do not no. care about how i grade the prospects or rank the prospects or grade the pro the draft after the fact or they do not mm. care 
one bit about me or Peter King or Adam Schefter or whoever, <laughs> you know, big reporter that are much bigger than I am uh, that you can throw out there. They just, they don't care. Now, I think with a guy like Cole Strange, what's interesting about the pick to me is the Patriots over the last couple of years, you mentioned Nikhil Harry, you know, Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle haven't exactly mm. been great first round talent type of pros either. But most for the most part, when they go name brand Alabama, Georgia, SEC, <laughs> big time program players, they've come away with pretty good players. And I think that that's what we all took away from last year's draft with Mac and Christian Barmore and Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, Sooner, big program. These players came in instantly ready to contribute, instantly made the team better. And then they go back to beating to their own drum with Cole Strange. And, and I think that's the concern among Patriots fans is, well, last year in the draft, you went chalk, you went with the consensus mm -hmm. and look at how well it worked out for you. And now this year you go into the draft and you go completely off the rails. And, you know, what, what are we doing here? And I would say that that was true for their second round pick too. And Tyquan Thornton, who, was not the consensus top receiver on the board. And right in that cluster of picks, you saw Sky Moore and George Pickens and some of these other Alec Pierce from Cincinnati uh, go off the board in the next 10 to 15 picks. So mm -hmm. unfortunately for Tyquan Thornton, he is going to be compared just like Nikhil Harry was compared <laughs> to Debo Samuel and AJ Brown and DK Metcalf mm -hmm. all the time his career is going to now be compared to those guys. And if those guys end up having better NFL careers than Tyquan Thornton, then the, the Patriots are going to hear it just like they heard it with Nikhil Harry. So mm -hmm. you can also throw Sony Michelle. They drafted Sony Michelle. Uh, the Browns drafted Nick Chubb like five picks later or something like yeah. that. And obviously <laughs> it was the right pick. So it, this is a tale as old as time with New England. They've been doing it for years, and sometimes it's worked out for them, and sometimes it really has blown up in their faces. And I guess time will tell and see with this pick with Cole Strange and Tyquan Thornton. But it's not necessarily the positions that they addressed. Offensive line and wide receiver were two positions that we had been talking about for months and months of areas mm -hmm. of need and, and places that they could potentially draft early on it was the players. Like if they had came away from this draft, I say this all the time, when, if they had came away with this draft uh, with Zion Johnson and John Mechie, everybody would have been giving them A pluses, oh, yeah. right? Like great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It'd be a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. completely <laughs> great job, Bill Belichick. But instead they come away with Cole Strange and Taekwon Thorne and everybody's like, who? You know, who are these guys, right? So it's not the positions. It's more so who they ended up actually coming away with and I think the other thing that frustrated me a little bit with the strange pick is you look at last year against Buffalo, they lose in the wild card round 47 to 17, probably the worst loss of in Patriots recent history, Bill Belichick, at least era for sure. And they lose 47 to 17. Uh, the Raiders, they trade for Devonte Adams. The Dolphins trade for Tyree kill and the Patriots draft a guard from Chattanooga in the first round. <laughs> And you just you are concerned about the value of the of the position, right? Of the positional value of a guard that early, and 
as everybody in the AFC and now you got Russell Wilson in Denver and you got all these guys coming uh, and creating these super teams all across the AFC. And then in your own division, you have Buffalo look that you're looking up against has maybe arguably the best roster in all of football. Does the guard from Chattanooga move the needle? Does that break <laughs> the gap for you against Buffalo? Does that make you a significantly better football team than you were a year ago? And as Cole strange, I said, you know, he could be a pro bowler. He could be an all pro. He could be the next Quentin Nelson for, you know, all I know. I, I just don't know if that's going to be enough for them to actually mm. compete in a really loaded conference now. I mean, I didn't even mention Cincinnati, uh, you know, the Chargers. Like this, this is a really loaded AFC all of a sudden. And the Patriots are drafting guards from Chattanooga in the first round. It, it feels a little bit like they're playing chess. You know, we always say the Patriots are playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Now it kind of feels like they're the ones playing checkers <laughs> at times, right? Because it just, it's a different game now. And they didn't really do much to react to that change, I don't think. It's a good thing that you mentioned the Chargers because I suppose th this we move quite nicely onto the next topic of, of players like JC Jackson who didn't get re-signed, didn't get a new contract yeah. with the Patriots. Again, story of New England Patriots not willing to pay big money to players, willing to let them walk away. And you were saying about you know the the, the players that got brought in around the league with Tyreek Hill going to the Dolphins, your own division, the division Buffalo Bills, Stephon Diggs having a great wide receiver there, and the fact that these teams are really working at getting in stars but also of developing their stars as well and and getting sort of big name headliners which i know the Patriots have not been scared to do in history you know bringing in players like randy moss i know yeah. antonio antonio brown didn't work out but if he had stayed for a prolonged amount of time if things hadn't happened on antonio brown it would have certainly have worked at that time i think anyway that, that, so they're not they're not against getting in stars what do you think it's an ego thing with bill belichick and, and the patriots and about not not keeping Tom, JC Jackson, yeah. not JC Jackson's just a long list of, of very big stars who worked at the Patriots, have not been paid. And and there's some that have worked in other teams. There's some that haven't worked in other teams. And there's players that eventually do nothing nowhere, like Malcolm Butler, for example, yeah. exactly do anything and then has now gone back to the Patriots. Right. Do you think there is this ego thing around the Patriot organization. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not stem, stemming from Mr. Kraft, Robert Kraft from the top down, but it's stemming somewhere and everyone always thinks it is Bill Belichick. But when you, when I look at it on, on paper, you know, JC Jackson, one of the best, the best or one of the best corners in the league at the minute in his prime. Uh, and really, and it and was a really important, crucial piece for the Patriots roster and for that secondary as well. It's not like there is a plethora of good players in that secondary for, for the Patriots. Do you, do you think it could maybe sometimes as a Patriots reporter, as a Patriots fan, I presume, do you just, oh, just, just sign the guy, Bill, oh, like just absolutely. keep him. Come on. Yeah. Like, what are we no going to do? <laughs> no doubt. It gets frustrating to watch them do this, especially with guys like JC, who they discovered him as a diamond in the rough as an undrafted free mm. agent coming in as a rookie. He goes out, he balls out. He does everything that he possibly could do correctly. Yeah. And then they don't end up paying that player. And I think the one thing that you will worry about a little bit, and maybe this is, goes back to the behind the scenes stuff that we were talking about earlier with, you know, the work ethic and things like that, that we don't necessarily see is the message it sends to the other players in the locker room that are drafted by the Patriots or acquired by the Patriots at a young age. Like what, JC Jackson made a pro bowl. 
he is, I believe, leads the league in interceptions or is tied for the league league in interceptions since entering the NFL in 2018. And they wouldn't even pay that guy, right? So, mm-hmm. like, what am I going to possibly what are you gonna do <laughs> to get paid by the Patriots? I worry about that sometimes. When it comes to the ego stuff, I think Tom Brady's in a separate category. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a separate thing. Uh, that was its own years and years of yeah you know uh kind of behind the scenes and directions mm-hmm. and things like that that was definitely a little bit maybe of an ego thing with bill belichick and tom brady and that brady got to the point of his career where he felt like he was equal to the coaching staff like he felt like he should be a part of the coaching process a part of the not only game plans and things like that but also uh talent acquisition right you know he wants to get a call in free agency and say hey tom who do you want us to sign Mm -hmm. right and bill belichick is never going to operate his team like that he's going to always say i'm bigger than all of you right like i'm Mm -hmm. the coach you're the player you play i coach like that's sort of the the mantra with bill so i think there's some elements of that with brady but with guys Mm -hmm. like jc jackson ultimately what i think it is is the patriots are very very good at evaluating their own players, right? They see these guys every single day. They know what these guys are all about. And I think in some cases, like JC, they might think that the narrative around the league is overrating the player a little bit in terms of what his abilities actually are. And they're very, very strict about the line. They will not financially overpay for a player that they feel has maybe, I guess the word is like peaked. Right. Like he I think that they look at it and say that a guy like J.C. Jackson has potentially peaked in his career. Like this is the best that he's ever going to get. And we got him there. And so now anybody that's paying him is more or less paying him off of reputation and not that he's going to keep on ascending as a player. Now, they could very well prove to be wrong. But you mentioned Malcolm Butler, who I think is really similar comp, although he didn't have the interception numbers. He obviously had a really good career with the Patriots and he gets paid by the Titans and he was just okay with Tennessee. Mm. Go back before that, Asante Samuel is kind of the other example. The Patriots drafted Asante in the fourth round. He goes out, has a Pro Bowl, all pro caliber year in 2007 when they went undefeated in the regular season. The Patriots decide not to pay him. And that was kind of it. He kind of flamed out the rest of his career. So in a lot of ways with corners, especially, I think Belichick looks at it and says, well, I found JC as an undrafted rookie. I found Malcolm Butler as an undrafted rookie. Mm -hmm. I found Asante Samuel in the fourth round. I'm just going to find another guy Mm -hmm. to play your position. And he's going to play it just as well because I'm going to coach him up. So I guess you could maybe call that ego. But at the same time, the track record is there to suggest that mm. he's right, that he will just put plug in the next guy and they won't skip a beat. So uh, you can go all the way back. You know, the Patriots didn't pay Ty Law on a third contract. He was a Hall yeah. of Fame player for them. Let him walk at the end of his career. Then it was Asante Samuel. Then it was Akib Tlaib. Then it was Darrell Revis. Then it was Malcolm Butler. Then it was Stephon Gilmore. Then it was J.C. Jackson. Like, they always do this. So mm-hmm. you have to you have to give them the benefit of the doubt for now that Belichick is, is going to be able to find another diamond in the rough somewhere. Maybe it's Jack Jones in the fourth round of the draft this year or something like that. And, you know, it's plug and play. That, that's how they operate. 
was about to say it could be either Jack Jones or Marcus Jones, or, yeah. or it might be both Jones. I mean, that right. would be a hell of a narrative for the papers, the Jones, the Jones guys, you know, covering the the corners for uh, the New England Patriots. What do you see for next season, though, Evan, with, with the New England Patriots? I mean, are you on the Mac train? Because I'm a Steelers fan, so I shouldn't be on the Mac train, and I wasn't that keen on him coming out, but I, I'm very much on the Mac train now. I think he, you know, turned seven last year. He really, he does really like he can play. He looks like he's having fun with it. From the sounds of it, you know it being around the area, being around the locker room, stuff like that as well. But he is a hard worker, which I'm. I was quite surprised to hear you say that earlier. I didn't really get that vibe from him, but he is that guy who who is first in, last out sort of thing. So I'm really happy to hear that. But also as well, the coaching situation. Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, yeah. for so long has nearly tried to leave a few times. I mean, yeah. the Indianapolis Colts. I don't want to remember any of that, but has now gone to the join the Raiders. Got a heck of a team over there. There's this offensive scheme sort of up in the air thing with Matt Patricia or Joe George or both or neither. But the either guy was a very good head coach. Matt Patricia famously a defensive coach. Joe George really not never been a big time coordinator outside of being a head coach for the New York Giants. We all know how that went. It didn't happen. Like, it didn't happen for very long. Um, so they're both in the bit back in the building after being away. Yeah. Uh, what what's like that going forward? I really, really I, I want to. We'll go for maybe the negative of the coaching bit first, and then we'll talk about Mac Jones. I want to leave on a positive feeling about Mac Jones. So yeah, let's yeah. talk about the coaching. So the coaching is a little bit worrisome for multiple reasons. Obviously, I think the the number one reason that I, I I'm not concerned about. Mac Jones's development. I, I don't think I think it's a little bit overblown that like Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are going to come in and ruin Mac Jones. Like I, yeah, I don't, I, think I don't that, believe that either. <laughs> I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think Belichick himself is going to allow that to happen. And I also don't think that that gives Mac a lot of credit for how mentally mm. tough and locked in he re he really seems to be. So I don't think they're going to come in and all of a sudden Mac Jones is going to turn into Baker Mayfield and he's going to be an absolute mess. Like I, I don't mm -hmm. think that that's how this is going to. To look, but I, I think that the two concerns that you have is one, what I would call like offensive innovation, right? Like mm -hmm. their scheme last year and even over the last four or five years with McDaniels has gotten a little bit stale. Like it's gone a little mm -hmm. bit dry. It's a little bit archaic in, at times in the way that they design their offense. They are a team that historically has used a fullback a whole lot and are kind of power eye formation under center. Let's, you know, bowling balls, let's run it over everybody and that sort of strategy. And I think what we've seen in the NFL and college football is that this is a new game. This is seven on seven mm. football, right? This is air it out, spread the field. And there's a lot more new age things going on that are trickling up from college, you know, RPOs and, and some of these other systems that are running a lot more passing down the field and, and different things to get these playmakers that are just oozing into the NFL from every single direction, the football in their hands. And you look at the Patriots and the, their offense could use it, it could use some livening up like they need to freshen up the offense. They need to modernize the scheme. And I don't think Matt Patricia and Joe judge are the two guys that I would trust for something that massive of an overhaul. It's not, this is not a little thing that they're doing. This is a pretty significant overhaul that they might undergo. And I don't know how much I'm trusting those two guys to be the brain trust of that overhaul. So that tells me that they're probably going to look the same as what they've looked over the last couple of years, which is kind of a bummer because it's just not mm. as explosive or as dangerous as some of the other schemes that you see. I, I would go back to that Buffalo playoff game and 
you know, the comparisons that we've used on my show are like the Patriots were driving like a horse and buggy in the, in the, uh, <laughs> you know, the bills. They, they were kind of driving like a, a 2022 Ferrari, right? Like they, they yeah. have it's not just about the players. It's also just about the way they play, right? They play so fast and so open and the whole scheme is just completely different. And then the Patriots come out on their opening drive and they're under center and they're trying to establish the run. And they're, it's like, you're not going to keep up with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and these guys establishing the run. Like, it's just not, it's not a way that you're going to win in football in 2022. So offensive innovation worries me. The other thing that would worry me maybe more so it is related to play calling, but I am not too concerned about, okay, who's actually going to call the plays and hold the play sheet and relay the plays to Mac Jones. But in-game adjustments, I think, was such a good uh, part of Josh McDaniels. And the Patriots over the years have always had the answers every single time a team comes out. And the game I always point to is like 28 to 3, like against the Falcons. Yeah. I don't know if 28 to 3 happens without Josh McDaniels. Like, I don't know if they make that comeback without somebody that can go in to halftime and look at what's going wrong and then be able to make the adjustments on the fly. And that's something I think they're going to really miss McDaniels with. It's like, okay, so the opening script didn't go as planned. You're down 14 to nothing to Buffalo. Now what do we do, right? And I don't know if they really necessarily have the guys in place to make those adjustments and get the team back to where it needs to be. So I, I think it's a lot of big picture stuff more so than – the minutia of the actual play caller and all that kind of thing. And uh, I wouldn't connect it to Mac Jones. It's more about scheme and uh, being able to adjust in that chess match that you see on the sidelines every single Sunday of coach versus coach. How are they going to be able to decipher that and go about that? You know, it's for years we have mocked the bills and we have mm -hmm. beat up on the bills. And it was always two things. One, uh, they had Brady and the quarterback was so much better than whoever Buffalo was throwing out there that they had no chance. And the second thing is that they had Bill and the Bills have gone through a bunch of bad head coaches in that stretch as well. And it was like, oh, well, Bill Belichick is not going to you know, lose to this Jamoke on the other sideline, right? Like, you know, they have such an advantage there. Now I look at it and say, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are two great defensive masterminds yeah. for Buffalo. And the Patriots have Joe Judge calling their plays against one of the best defensive coaches in football on the other sideline. That is certainly worrisome, is whether or not they're <laughs> be able to win those chess matches. Now, I always love their chances in those types of games with McDaniels. Like, I always felt like he could go toe to toe with the best defensive minds in football. Now they lose that advantage, and that's going to, I think that's going to hurt them. Certainly, when you look around the division, I mean, Dolphins, they've got new coaching staff and they've got, they've got a decent roster. I think the Jets roster is underrated as well. I mean, Robert Sala, we still don't know what will happen with him going forward with the Jets. A very good defensive mind, San Francisco. He's slowly just building that defense. You have to admit, roster wise, the defense in San Francisco compared to New York was so much better. He's had to work with yeah. not much in New York, but he's building that roster and the Bills roster now. Top, I mean, top to bottom could be the best roster in football, close to the Chargers and several other teams out there. But uh, it makes for a really interesting AFC East. And, it's, and this is what we need is it's great when we have these divisions where you do have a dominant force in them for years, but it's nice to have that mix up. It's nice. To, you know, it's the same yeah. with the FC North where it just felt like the Steelers were sort of running it for a long time. Now it's, it felt like the Browns, the Ravens, the Bengals, Steelers, all of, you know, could, all of them could go for it. Everyone thought the Bengals would come bottom last year. They win it very easily last year. Yeah. 
And it, it's just so nice having that movement. Now, when you look at the division like Chargers, Chiefs, and Denver, I mean, they're just. It's a minefield out there in the AFC for us Patriots. It was me, well, me as a Steelers fan, for you guys as Patriots fans. It used to be so easy for us to, to get through to the playoffs. Yeah. What's happened? Everyone's caught up with us, but and we're sort of going backwards. But I'm sure it'll be okay. Brighter years to come, I'm sure. Evan, I really appreciate you coming on, my man. Um, where can we find your podcast, by the way? Yes, yeah, so you can find Patriots Beat wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. And you can also find it on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass on YouTube, Patriots Press Pass. Uh, please subscribe. We're trying to get the subscribers up and uh, we do all things Patriots. My podcast, we have two other podcasts on the channel as well. We have daily Patriots content. Uh, I go down there to Gillette on practice days and report down there on the channel as well. So it's a really good place to get all your Patriots news and more podcasts and things like that. So Patriots press pass is the place to go. Smash. And even if you're not a Patriots fan, maybe for all you fantasy football players out there, maybe maybe some insight as well. You never know if you've yeah. got Damien Harris or Mac Jones, you know, there could be some real insight there. Evan, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for listening or watching. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like it. Follow us on Instagram, all the social media. Get us on Spotify, everything and anywhere. The franchise tag will be there. Until then, Enjoy and have a good rest of your week and we'll speak to you all and see you all very soon. Goodbye.